Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Well, good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer. I am the dream business coach coming to you from uh, my home office. Actually, we're not floating anymore, but I guess you you know that by now. Uh, I got a wonderful guest today. Uh, man, this has just been a great several weeks of wonderful guests. Uh, Lauren Abrams is my guest, and she's the founding member and managing partner of the law offices of Lauren Abrams. And it's, it's really a true rags to riches story. She's been exclusively protecting the rights of employees for over 22 years. And um, she is pleased to serve as the co-chair of the Practice Management Committee of the California Employment Lawyers Association. That's a lot to put on an envelope. And is also a member of the Women's Law Association of Los Angeles. And she's got a huge background. And I don't know if we're going to go that way or not. But one of the reasons um, I was so excited to uh, see Lauren's information come across my desk is she is doing a super cool, fun podcast called 52 Weeks of Hope. <laughs> and that's why I reached out. So I'd love to talk to you about that. I don't have anything against the law, but Lauren, how are you doing today? Thank you for coming on Dream Business Radio. Oh, thanks, Jim. I'm excited to be here. I'm doing great. And so it's a weekly podcast and, you know, you you talk to various people, thought leaders, activists, and visionaries and things like that. Where Where did that idea come from? Um, that's a great question. And where it came from, I was, my law practice, it's always been thriving and everything, but I went through my dark night of the soul, my tough period, everybody goes through it. Nobody mm -hmm. comes through this life unscathed. And when I got through this one, because I'm somebody, I'm always grateful, always giving back and of service everywhere. And, um, which you kind of need to be. And, but I got through this one and I was like, what the hell was that? Cause I was really surprised by it. Um, and I actually talk about it on LinkedIn um, here years later, but I went through a tough period where I wasn't bringing in money. I, my practice was thriving, but no money was coming in. And um, since you talked to entrepreneurs, I'll, I'll actually talk about what it is, depending on what, where I'm a guest. I don't always do that. But um, when I talked about it on LinkedIn, all these doctors and other lawyers came out and said, oh, yeah, because nobody talks about it. And um, everybody, everybody yeah. talks about how great things are. How you doing? Oh, it's great. Right. But exactly. that's the other side of running your own business. It's so true. And here I've got, I've got employees to pay. I have all this and um, I make my money in chunks. I'm not an hourly attorney. And, um, and even though my practice was thriving, there wasn't money coming in yet. It, it was going to, and I was a single mom taken care of and with a lot of responsibilities. And I got scared, like really scared, even mm. though I show up every day. And, and to me, just the showing up every day made my practice thrive. It really does. And um, very responsible, building a home, like just everything. And um, it just surprised me when I got through it because the only way through is through. You always get through it. And I was making minimum payments to my vendors and one vendor sued me, which oh boy. I'd never been sued in my entire life. And um, I thought, oh my God, am I going to get 
uh, reported to the state bar. Really, I didn't know what was going to happen. And of course, that vendor came back going, why aren't you using us for our depositions? And I've never forgotten it because I was just, it was just so scary. And I felt very alone. And I thought, you know, there's homeless on the street. I can't complain about, to me, it was a quality problem, even though I was so scared. So when I got through it, I just went through this kind of soul searching, like, why are we here? We go through so many different things. And um, anyway, and I thought I'm going to go on this kind of DIY project for lack of, I'm not a DIYer at all, but for <laughs> me, it was a DIY where I would ask a person a week for a year, just that question. Why are we here? What have you gleaned from living life? Asking an older demographic that. And so originally that's what I, sought out to do was asking a much older demographic. And so I started doing that, just interviewing a person a week as a single mom running this business and giving back in different areas of the community. Um, that was what I could do. And people would disclose the most personal information to me. I'm not a shrink or anything, but really it was so rich and so good. After about two and a half months, I thought I have to share this. Is this just too good? Because there also started to be some common themes. And I thought, I'll write one of those books. One of those books where you open it up and you're like, that's just what I needed to hear. Yes. Or you yes. close it and you open it again. And you're like, no, that's what I needed to hear. And I'll call it 52 Weeks of Hope. And then COVID hit and I pivoted because that's what we do in life. We pivot. And I started a podcast. And then I wasn't confined to just interviewing people in Los Angeles. I could interview people everywhere. And what I did after the first 52 weeks is I compiled all these messages of hope into eight overarching messages called the meaning of life. And so I did an episode called the meaning of life, which is just incredible. And because really, and I don't think it's anything that revolutionary or anything else, but people really started isolating even more than ever, I think during COVID and you can't really fulfill your dreams or get out there in the world through isolation. And I think it's really important. Well, anyway, so that's how it came about. I'll that was, up there. Yeah, it was a lot of, you got a lot packed in there and that whole isolation part of the pandemic, that's gotta be one of the worst. And I know there's a lot of worse things, but mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, my wife's dad is 94. So he's, you know, in a, retirement home, I guess you'd call it. And, but they, of course, everything gets locked down and like these people can't have no relatives could get in to visit. And it's like day after day, week and week, like a year, I think before anybody was allowed to see him other than the staff. Yeah. And it was like, you know, everybody kind of went through their own thing, but he, he said something like, I, I just don't, I want, if I'm going to be alive, I want to live. Right. I don't want to, you know, yep. just, so I thought that was really profound. You know, I do believe everybody goes through different things. I went through um, when I was 41, I was, uh, I lost my job. I was kind of the main breadwinner for the family with four teenagers at home. And one year into what was a 18 month unemployment, I got cancer. So I mean, like I, I was wrecked. My Ooh. once, my once super strong confidence, healthy ego was like nothing. It was dust. And, um, and, you know, I've come, to, I've, I rebounded. That's actually, I started a business and, you know, my first year was revenue free. So I owned my own business, but I had zero income. <laughs> so, and I, I looked at all these, I was trying to find out why did I go through that? Right. Kind of like you did. I, I wanted mm -hmm. to figure out what, what happened there. And this one book that I read said something about, uh, you know, whether you believe in God, spirit, universe, whatever, but eventually you're brought, you, you go through a crisis and you're brought to your knees. And then that's when you can start the renewal and rebirth, but it usually takes a crisis. And you think of that, whether 
just in life or if you have addiction, different things, but eventually you kind of hit bottom and then you, that's when you start to rebuild. So it's a very heavy topic. I thought this was going to be a little lighter, but I mean, I really like, so when you started doing the podcast, Lauren, did you know who to talk to or did people then start reaching out as you put it out there? I actually think that whatever it is you start to do, the universe rises up to meet you. You started your own business and it just seems to me from the research I did before coming on here, it's taken off from there. And I love that, you know, once we hit bottom and then we get hope and we start taking action, the whole thing is life is in session. It's about action. That's one of the messages. It's some of these um, elders I spoke to, they're like, I'm still here. I'm still alive. You don't, I mean, we're a resilient species. So we all go through our whatever it is and you don't escape life without going through something um the reason that i was always i'm always so grateful and always giving back is i did hit rock bottom when i was young Mm -hmm. and um and i'm somebody that i was in the throes of addiction early on and and once i got out of that i started getting an education and that's my rags to riches i was in a very you know like just really bad, bad place. And, and the fact that I'm alive, I'm always grateful and that I was able to then put myself through college and law school and everything else is I've never forgotten where I come from and that I'm grateful to be alive and always giving back. And, and I got so much hope. So that's why I was so surprised when I went through what I did. I was like, oh, wait, goodness. I'm always grateful and I'm always giving back. And I'm always, how, why am I going through this? Not, it's not like, oh, you go through something once. No, it's, this is life. It's just, it just is life. And, um, but it's about getting out there and, and walking through our fears. And, and I love your story of being 41. I mean, it's awful to go through it. Um, and yeah. having cancer and the job loss. And that's, I just interviewed somebody a few weeks ago and she's, she talks about it's when we're on our knees at our lowest, that that's the gold. Um, and she lived through apartheid in South Africa. It was fascinating mm. to me because I've never really actually interviewed somebody that has lived through apartheid South Africa. And, um, but she, it was just such a fascinating conversation. She says, that's the gold when we're on our knees and at our lowest. Yes. You know, I've heard you say a, a few times now, and I think it's just part of your regular vocabulary. So you're probably not even here, but you said giving back and serving others and things like that. That is such a big part of it, I believe. Um, so when I, when I started coming around, um, uh, a friend of mine through through the church we were involved with got me involved in this um, nonprofit called Good Works, where one Saturday month we rehabbed homes for low income people, and um, so all the materials were paid for, and we obviously donated labor. And I can remember about three years in, I'm doing this, I'm really feeling good, and you know contributing. But then as my business started to grow, Lauren, and and um, and of course I had my own house to take care of and mm-hmm. everything else. So all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be gone all Saturday and I've got all this other stuff to do. And then when I would see how other people were living and what it meant for our, our little team of six or seven men to show up and, and kind of repair their home. Oh, I, I just, I had this hashtag perspective. I don't know if I used the term hashtag yeah. back then, but it was like, yeah. whatever I'm going through is nothing. And um, so much so that a, a really close friend of mine whom I met through my um, mastermind uh, was going through some stuff. And he, and he called me one night and, and said, what should I do? I said, I want you to go serve somebody tomorrow. I don't care if you work in a soup kitchen or go do that. Go do something and take your mind off your own stuff. And you're, yep. you're going to get some perspective. So it, it's wow. so true. That's So the biggest messages um, 
are one is community. We need community. We need each other. We're not meant to isolate. And um, and the in the blue zones where people live the longest and the healthiest. Why do you want to live a long time if you're not going to be healthy and happy, right? Mm -hmm. But the happiness factor is the big part of it. Happy and healthy um, is they have community. They're together. I thought, oh, it must be warm and beautiful there, but it's actually cold in a lot of those areas of the world. But also they have community. And um, so that's one of the big messages. And the other is love and service. We are meant um, to help each other. We are. And I never, there's a girl that I helped. I was on a listserv, a work listserv. And uh, I read that there's some very low income students that were high performing and they'd never even met anyone who had been to college and they needed some help just to, some mentoring and i was like oh, my kids i mean I, my kids did not want my help <laughs> you know i was like oh teenagers who want to listen to me sure i'll help <laughs> so um i started mentoring this girl in through from 11th grade onward helped her with her college applications when it came time for that and she got a full scholarship Oh, wow. college and went on and I mean she, there were four people living in one room I mean such poverty like I I mean real poverty mm -hmm. and um to drive to downtown LA in LA traffic once a week to take her she'd never been to a restaurant to never and just every week it, with as busy as I am I never want to go but I go anyway um because I felt good every single time I was leaving it fills you up when you're it helping does. somebody. And I mean, it's, and it also, when you're working amongst other people who are not like you, I interviewed an imam, imam I, I always get this wrong, imam or iman. It's a Muslim religious leader. I expected him to be full of robes. I'm not religiously schooled. Um, I expect him to be in robes and all of the regalia. And he looked like an Arizona dad, which is where he's from. And, mm. um, but anyway, <laughs> he said he makes sure that they, um, on the holidays are feeding the homeless alongside all the churches so that the Christians and the Muslims are working together amongst each other. Because he said the number one way to get rid of the religious intolerance is just to meet a Muslim. And so they're all working together, feeding the homeless and, they just and, and that gets rid of a lot of the prejudice and i thought that was really good that is, i mean that is brilliant i mean that happens in all all parts of life it's really hard to uh not like somebody once you get to know them typically i mean obviously there's right, bad exactly. people but um and on the business side i was i used to read oh god i've read so many books over the years i remember reading this one um i believe it you know what i believe it was um uh, Lee Iacocca, who used to run, mm -hmm. um, that's how old Chrysler. I am, right? Chrysler. Chrysler. Yeah. And um, he said he found it strange that the head of Chrysler and the head of Ford and the head of General Motors don't ever have lunch together. And somebody asked him why, he says, because we might end up liking each other. Then it's too hard to compete. <laughs> <laughs> that, that uh, is, yeah, that that is strange. You'd think they'd all kind of, but oh. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, you've yeah, been doing you. this for a long time. Is there any kind of a, a common thread? I mean, is it service or is there a special, yeah. some kind of a special message that you've heard? Yeah, there are, there are some. Um, one is whatever modality you're called to. Um, if, if, if you feel called to EFT tapping, yoga, manifestation, whatever it is, they all work. You don't need to keep going to the next shiny object, whatever you're called to 
stay there. And um, also, life is to be lived, not watched on the sidelines. Life is in session. I was taught God doesn't drive parked cars. You can't sit in a corner mm-hmm. going, I want this, I want that. No, walk through your fears and, and go after it, whatever it is. Everyone has their own unique handprint. We're here for a reason. And, and whatever you feel called to, you know, go out and go after your dream. Um, I think this is very much in line with your books, what I saw that your writings and, um, you know, we have to feel our feelings and feel our fear and, or else it's going to, if you don't feel your feelings, it's going to come out in a health issue, but, and then walk through it. Um, and to be around people that lift you up, that make you feel good. Don't listen to the negative self-talk in your head You say, okay, thanks for sharing. And now move on. Yeah. Get and, the hell out of my way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, if I can be doing everything I'm doing, I didn't know anything about podcasting. I just like, okay. And you don't have to invent the wheel. I mean, you can watch YouTubes on how to do anything. Yeah, my Google goodness, it. isn't that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so easy now to do any of it. Yeah. Um, the, the, yeah. When I, so when I got that cancer diagnosis and mm-hmm. for, there was about three weeks before the surgery that I didn't know if it was stage two or stage three. And the, and the difference is your life expectancy past five years was either 80% or 50%. And so I got some at 41, I, I wasn't thinking, Hey, how am I going to live? Am I, in my mid, you know, my uh, middle of my life or what I didn't, you know, all of a sudden I'm thinking, Holy crap, I might not see my twin girls graduate high school. And so one of the things I've always had from that moment on, which nobody wants to have cancer, but it's the perspective that I got is that, and I have a um, very nice uh, sand hourglass that's always on my desk. I even, it's kind of one of the one things, you know, we lived in a boat for five years. I took that with me. I never want to forget that the sand is running out and you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. And so these, these dreams and these goals that some of the people that I talk to have, and a year later, they're still pondering these dreams and their goals. And it's going to be a point where it's going to be too late. And then you're going to be filled with regret. Yeah. And it's never too late to live your dreams and create something extraordinary. I, I mean, it really isn't. You you look at what some people are doing later in life. It's like, okay, so this part's done. Or you're doing something that doesn't fill you up and bring you joy. Think of what does and then take some steps, any kind of action, because really the universe does rise up to meet you to do that. Absolutely. So I wrote six books and the last one I wrote was Decide. Um, it's kind of called my mindset book. And then when Stephanie and I, we sold our house, we bought this big boat, we traveled 12,000 miles in five years and and I've never, we've never done anything like that. And what I realized from that adventure um, caused me to actually write my seventh book, which was called Just Say Yes. Because when we were stepping out of our comfort zone in a big way, like I've, yeah. the only time I've ever been in the ocean was on a big ferry going to Martha's Vineyard. Here I am driving my boat 21 miles off the coast. <laughs> I'm like, my heart's ripping out of my chest, right? And it's like, we feel so alive. And one of the lines that we would always say, if we got in a particular scary situation, then we thank God we came out of it. But it's like, well, we could be sitting on the sectional watching TV, you know, but we felt so alive, Lauren. So I wrote this book because it it just reminded me of the, the challenges that I went through early in my entrepreneurial years. Not that I still don't go through some challenges, but early on building and then doing a few different companies and stuff. It was like, so scary, way outside anything I'd ever done. And I thought, I need to, and that's when I came up with, you you just have to say yes. Do you want to just say yes, figure it out, (laughs) you know? 
Yeah, I started doing that um, a couple years ago. I heard somebody say, what if you just said yes to whatever opportunities come to you in the course of this year? And so make that your theme for the rest of the year. Just say yes. I love that. I love that that's the title of your book. It and is. I'd love to also be open. Every day I ask the universe, okay, let me have an open heart and an open mind. That lets me stay flexible and open and, and notice what's going on around me. Um, I mean, if I don't notice, I can miss things. So um, that, that's also like just a good way to stay present for what's happening. So do people, um, do you, are, have you started coaching or do people come to you like, Hey, Lauren, you're doing really amazing. How do I live my best life? <laughs> Cause that sometimes happens. Yeah. I, I would, I would, my husband would kill me if I took on one more thing like coaching. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am not coaching. What I will do is start, um, I, I am going to start doing maybe, uh, annual or semi-annual or, or maybe even quarterly masterminds where mm -hmm. I can help people figure out what it is that they are aligned with or how to be their best selves. I do have a book on my website, how to be your best self now or how to get aligned. It's actually, it's so easy. Um, it really is. And, and I have a Facebook group where it's a very safe space for people to share with each other. And, and a lot of people have met each other in there with and have very common, common. It's, it's amazing how common um, things that they're going through right now. It's, I, I really like that. Um, but I think so, the best you know, I could, yeah, the best I could do would be like, quarterly um yeah you know what i see for you and yeah. I, I just met you but i'm just having so much fun in our conversation somewhere down the road you ought to have maybe it's just an annual or biannual but a 52 weeks of hope um uh, event whether it's in california or you know pick a, a a nice destination you know the bahamas or something and now i think if it was 52 hours of hope that would be too long for an event because, you know, that'd be multi-days, but it'd be fun to have something based on the theme of hope. I think that's the one thing that is so sorely missing in our, in our environment and our community and our population today is hope. So true. And I think that would be really fun. I'm working on my TED Talk right now. So um, I just finished up like like a lot of it. So, um, but that's that, 10, is that 10 minutes or do you get longer than that? Um, they say between 12 and 18. Uh, okay. So not, so, it couldn't be your 52 minute talk. I know, <laughs> It'd be fun to keep not, that theme yeah. going. Right. Yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah, definitely. So, um, with that, but I love the idea of uh 52 weeks of hope event. Yeah, that would be, that would be really good. We, any, anytime, anything that raises a vibration and gives more hope is, is a win. Absolutely. So the people you talk to that have struggled and things like that, one of the, I, in my own coaching business, one of the things I think, and people sometimes haven't heard the name or it resonates with them is imposter syndrome. I know uh -huh. you've, you've talked about that. And I mean, yeah. is that, is that a common piece of people that are, have gone into uh, kind of a frightening place? I well, imposter syndrome is, and I've got articles on this, and uh, there's a quiz on my website. But what that is, is it's when you're about to, you want to do something, and you think, I can't do that. What will people think? I, I, and here's a good example. I've been practicing law, I'd say maybe 10 years, and I'm walking down the, I, was, I think I was in trial, I don't remember what it was. I remember being in the courthouse, and I was walking down the hall thinking, 
all these, look at all these people. They think I'm a lawyer or something. I am a lawyer. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I went to good law schools and schools and trade. And anyway, put myself through school. Or um, when I was at the playground with my kids, I was like, these kids, look at me. I'm fake. I'm, I'm adulting. I'm acting like I'm a mom or something. I am a mom. Yeah, right. <laughs> or I'm starting, I started the podcast and I was on a Zoom and all the little boxes and I suddenly thought, these two people, you can tell when people are talking or doing something else. I thought they're talking to each other. They're saying, oh, do you hear about Lauren? She started a podcast. Who does she think she is starting a podcast? When did I become that self-centered that I thought people were talking about me? But it's that whole voice thinking, um, who do I think I am? I don't know what I'm doing. People are going to start talking about me. Nobody's talking about you, by the way. And a lot of high-achieving people talk openly about imposter syndrome. Michelle Obama talks about it. M Meryl Streep. She said no matter what movie she talked, she um, she would be in, she thought, oh, now I'm going to get found out. Maya Angelou would talk about it when she was alive. I mean, very high achieving people. San uh, Sheryl Sandberg in her book talks about um, feeling like a fake or a fraud and going to get found out. It, it's that feeling inside like, uh, now I'm going to get found out. You get this job that you've been trying to get. And before you even show up, you're like, uh, they're going to find out I can't do it. Mm. And you can. You got it for a reason. Just show up. Walk through your fear. It's not true. It's not real. Yeah. And there's so many things in and around that um, imposter syndrome perfectionism, which I say is a label you wear. So it doesn't have to be your fault because you'll never pull the trigger. <laughs> and um, Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. I interviewed somebody who talked about perfectionism and procrastination being uh, different sides of the same coin that a lot of people won't attempt something because they want to do it perfectly. That's right. And I, I've spent so much time ruminating on that because I'm not a perfectionist. I'm just always amazed that I get anything done but, and I get a lot done, but I, I just try to get it done. I'm not a perfectionist. But so. at the heart of that is not yeah. that they want to be a perfectionist or not. It's because they don't want to be, they want the fear of criticism, right? Um, so okay. when I wrote my first book, it was 18 months. Now in reality, and I've shared this when I speak and stuff, but it was like, I wrote the book in about nine to 10 months, but it took me, you know, almost a, almost, you know, the additional 10 months to get the courage to push the button because I don't want people to find out that I'm horribly challenged in the English language or that, you know, I'm no author. I never went to journalism and all that stuff creeped in. And I, I heard this speaker once and um, was at an entrepreneurial type of marketing event. And he said, you know what? My imperfect book is selling and helping people. And, and it's so much, that's so much better than your book. That's still sitting in your word processor. That's how far back that goes. Yeah. And I, and so I published it and, um, Lauren, this is so funny, but about a month later, I got an email from a guy and he said, hey, Jim, I just thought you'd like to know on page 137, there's a dangling participle. <laughs> and oh I'm like, God. oh, my heart started beating like, oh, God, I knew it. I knew it. Right. And um, so I, 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 here I am. It's just I'm just me, solo operator. And I said, well, I'm going to let my team know, right? I'm going to let my team know for the next printing. Because back then, we actually had to print books. None of this print-on-demand stuff. I think I had to order 3,000 books. So I said, I'm going to let my team know for the second printing. And then something just hit me. And, I, and then I kind of put a comment. I said, by the way, what did you think of the book? Mm -hmm. And Lauren, he wrote back and said, oh, I loved it. Now I know, you know, how to write a newsletter. I know what kind of content to put in. I know what to do this. I know what kind of paper to use, blah, blah, blah. And he listed all the information I shared. So he was really reaching out to let me know, almost like Jim, just want to let you know, but he loved the book. Mm 
And see, that lesson wow. told me. And so one of the things, getting a little short on time, so I'm going to cut right to the chase. But what I tell people who struggle with that now is you make a choice. You actually make a decision that I'm choosing to be judged on the value of the content, the information, and the and the services that I provide and not the imperfect way in which I provide them. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that story says so much. I love that story. Um, <laughs> because we're all imperfect. So just get over yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And nobody's thinking about you that much. That's the other thing. Everyone's thinking about themselves. If somebody thinks about you, they think about you for a second, then they move on. Oh my gosh, Lauren, I, I, you know, one of my own internal barometers and I, I I probably shouldn't say this because I don't say it on every interview, but when I look up and I'm down to like two minutes, I know this has been a great, because I, and people that have listened to my podcast all these years say, I, I, I can tell when you're really doing a good interview because you get excited and enthusiastic. And, you know, so this has been such a phenomenal interview. I would love to maybe get you back sometime, but I would, how do, how do you want people to find you? I mean, if you want to give your law practice and the 52 weeks website, whatever you want to do, this is your opportunity. The easiest way to get in touch with me is on the website, 52 weeks of hope.com. It has all the podcasts. It has, there's a quiz um, uh, where you can, uh, do a whole thing about your self-worth, which is very fun, that just got put up on there. And there's an imposter syndrome quiz and there's a, just a bunch of stuff up there. So that's, that's the easiest awesome. way. Yep. Okay, folks, really uh, check out this uh, podcast, 52 Weeks of Hope. It's really phenomenal. I mean, yeah, do you need another marketing strategy? Sure, but check this one out and, and get your brain right and get your, uh, get your perspective healthy. So Lauren, thank you so much for being my guest on Dream Business Radio. Thanks for having me. This was great. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Lauren Abrams from 52 Weeks of Hope podcast. So check that out. I'll put the link, obviously, in the uh, description below. You can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. If you're interested in the Dream Biz Mastermind and Coaching Program, that is Dream Biz Coaching, Dream B-I-Z Coaching.com. But that's it. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. <laughs> See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.